Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96FM. Coming up later this morning, I'll be talking to the family and their builder who have reached out to the Opinion Line for help with a unique building project in East Cork that's coming up between 10 and midday. Budget-wise, we're just going to keep an eye later on on what they'll be doing. We'll analyse it for you tomorrow and we want you to tell us tomorrow how it is affecting the euro in your pocket. One prediction we'll make, of course, is anything that you do get from Pascal Donoghue today. Well, you probably won't get it until January. But guess what, lads? The petrol and diesel, and maybe even the pint, will all go up at midnight. Isn't that magic how budgets work every year? So it is. 1850-715-996. Text 83 396 Your email opinion at 96fm.ie. I want to go first to East Cork, where there is a missing persons search underway around Gary Vaux for Frankie Devlin. She's 67. She's missing since about a quarter to 11 on Saturday night. Erin, good morning to you. Hi, morning, PJ. How are you? This is your mum? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell me what happened. When did you see her last? Um, well, I was talking to her on Saturday and she was going to a school reunion down in Gary Vaux. Okay. So she went and we know, we know that she was definitely there. Right. And then, because when she's out of routine, you know, it's like, I know Gary Vaux is local, but she'd never really be there unless it's for a wedding or something. So she must have just gotten herself disorientated and maybe just took a wrong turn or something. Now, we also know that there was a wedding on and it's it's quite a busy spot for a wedding. The Gary Vaux Hotel is very busy for weddings. Yeah, because it's a beautiful, beautiful venue. Yeah. And was she like, due to stay there or was she due to come home? No, she was due to come home. Okay. And, and, and where's home? Home is um, in Balnacara. Okay, okay. So so apparently the reception rang the taxi and the taxi said to be 20 minutes, but I think did she get herself a bit mixed up and thought she was getting a spin or something? Right. Do you know, just a little bit of confusion because... You know, she was out of her routine. It wasn't her comfort zone. I got you. Tell me a little you know, bit about her. What did she look like? What was she wearing? Um, she, she was, oh, it's, it's on my phone now. She was in, I think it was a black dress and like a purple coat. Okay. Now, because she was quite tall and slim, she wouldn't have been wearing a high heel. Right. Okay. So she could have been in a pump or a wedge teal. 
Yeah. The the official gather description is is in front of me here. So yeah. she's described as five feet eight, slim build, blonde yeah. hair, brown eyes, wearing a black dress, black top, and a red or black jacket. Yeah. Okay. You're worried about her, I'd say, at this stage. Oh, we're absolutely sick. We're worried, like, we're just feeling like if anybody has, like, a dash cam footage, you know, if any of the guests were at the wedding and took photographs, you know, could they just go through them just to see what she spotted? If there was somebody else having a cigarette or something, we we just, like, it's just just like she's just after vanishing. Yeah. When was the last time you heard from her? Well, I was talking to her on Saturday evening. Okay. Before she went to the, the school reunion. What kind of form was she in? She was in great form. She was in really good form on the phone. Like, we were having a laugh and a joke. Yeah. As usual, because she had that kind of dry sense of humour. Yeah, yeah. So... And have you been able to talk to any of the people that she was at the function at? Um, no, no, I haven't been able to talk to them. But I think the guards have done all that. Yeah. You know, like... Everyone has been just, like, absolutely fantastic. Like, the Gary Vaux Hotel, the little shopping Gary Vaux has been fantastic. The neighbours have been fantastic. Mm. You know, all the likes and shares and the shares on Facebook. You know, all the radio stations for putting it out there. But we, we just want something. Like, no matter how small people think it is. Yeah. You know, they might think, oh, it's nothing, but to us, it might give us a clue. Yeah. Because it's such a vast, area. Frankie's 67. What, how would, She's 67. How is she in herself, Erin? She's good. Do you know, like, as you get older, she likes her routine. Yeah. Like, she likes her comfort. She likes her... She's a home bird. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, like, she she likes her set routine. She 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 just like still doing her home helps and everything. Do you know, she's walked and everything. Do you know, she was... She walks as a home help, does she? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I take it she carries a mobile? Yeah. 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 And, and that's what got us worried. Yeah. Because she'd, she'd leave home without her wallet, but she'd never leave home without her phone. Yeah. But obviously that that's out of charge now. Yeah. And when was and the last time anyone was able to contact that? Um. Well, we were trying on Sunday, obviously, but we were getting nothing. Okay. And they can't even get the ping. Do you know they were looking for something? But that came back negative. Okay. As well. Yeah. You say she so, likes her bit of routine. Like, is she yeah. someone who'd get confused? Like she'd, clearly, she'd know the area very well, wouldn't she? She would, but sometimes when you're out of routine, PJ, do you know the way you get yourself worked up? I know. Yeah. Would you she, know, and like, as I said, like, Gary Vaux, as local as it is, it's kind of just a place where you go for a wedding. Yeah. It's a you big, know, where there's people big wide around. Open place. Yeah. So we, we just really don't know what, what happened. Like we're just absolutely, we're just looking for something. Yeah. Just, yeah, it's, just it's, something, it's, you know. I suppose what must be very hard to understand is how, like you said, in a crowded hotel, with no one has any record of her after, after quarter to 11. Yeah, it's just strange. Like, like even because, like, you come down the beach, or sometimes there's always cars on the beach. Yeah. And like she was petrified of water, so I I don't think she would have went near the water. Gotcha. No, because she absolutely hated water. Gotcha. Yeah, like she just no, 
she would never she, go near she, water. She's not the kind of person who would decide to go off for a stroll on the beach just for the sake of a stroll on the beach, no? Oh, God, no. no. She'd, rather, she'd rather explore like an old graveyard or something than a beach because she always hated water. Yeah, and how's, how's her physical health, Erin? Her physical health is good. Yeah. yeah you know, it's, it's good, it's just... We're just bamboozled. Like there's no, there's no words. There's nothing anybody can say. Yeah. yeah. You know, like we're, I said, we're just looking for a clue. Yeah, because something. Anybody who might nothing. Been, there's nothing. There isn't a trace of her, and that's the thing. And have they any CCTV or anything from the from the hotel? They with? have. They have the hotel, but it only goes. It doesn't go that far. Yeah. So the guards have, as I said, they've been brilliant. Like they, they cannot do enough. Yeah. You know, it's just that, like, we're just wondering, how can somebody just vanish into thin air? Yeah, that's the worrying bit, like, no sign of her whatsoever. No, and you'd always hear about these situations around, but you can never imagine yourself being in that situation. Yes. It's just, there's no words, Peter, really. We're just, no matter how small somebody thinks it is, you know, like even like there are loads of caravans around. You know, they just see something. Yes, yeah. Uh, coming into October, I know Kelly's is the is the famous caravan park over yeah. there. That would still be have a few people staying in it because people stay there for the whole summer and right into yeah. the autumn. So, have you been over to Kelly's? Has anyone been over to Kelly's? They, today? Yeah, they have. They've checked, and I think there was just two caravans because most of them are, are closed up. They've they've been checked. Okay. You know, if just somebody is just out walking and just sees something, yeah. you know, if it, like if we just got something, it would be, yeah, it might give us a lead because this is now since Saturday night and not yeah. just like tin air vanished three days nothing. now, yeah, three days, yeah. you know, and obviously the weather hasn't been the best, yeah, you know, like it's been cold. She's quite slim, yeah. You know, like, so we're just appealing for anybody, like, to know that even I was having a cigarette, any dash cams, anything. Yeah. You know, even go go through their photographs. Yeah, you can have taken a picture out there, I've been out for a yeah. wander or a, a smoke or something and seen a woman, slim woman, relatively yeah. tall woman, blonde hair, brown eyes, black dress, black top and a red yeah. and black jacket. And you say she would not have been wearing a high shoe. No, no, because she was quite tall and... She doesn't like heels anyway. Right, right. Okay, all right. I know the emergency services are down there and there's a big they search party now, gone out. There is a big search party and the Coast Guard helicopter is just after arriving back now the last few minutes. Okay, <clears throat> okay. So we're just praying, as I said, no matter how small they think it is, just even get onto Milton Garda station or even do it confidentially. Yeah. Have you been able to go out searching yourself? Everyone. No, we're not allowed. And it's quite hard too for me, PJ, because I'm six months pregnant. Oh, God. As well. So, you know, I'd, I'd love to be doing more, but we can't. You know, they won't leave us search, which is understandable. Understandable. You yeah. know, we don't want another search party going on. And that's only the volunteers as yeah. well. Just please listen to the rescue crew because yeah. they know what they're doing. You've, we don't need another search. Yeah, you've the stress of being pregnant, and as well as this, like the. Yeah, no, we yeah. don't want anybody else going missing. Yeah. You know, so if they can just follow 
their lead and everyone that's been out searching just come back safe as well. All right. Listen, that's that's all we want. If, if anybody can help, I'm going to read out the guard notice again there yep. now. If anybody can help, they can contact the guards yep. or if they want to be completely anonymous, they can contact us. We'll put them in touch with you. Anybody yep. at all, even someone who might be going through the photographs they took at the wedding, you know, and yep. see a woman in it and have a time stamp on the photo, that could be worth gold. It could be. It could be worth... It could be. It, it would be priceless to us, and that's okay. that's the honest truth. Like, just want we want something. All right. No matter how small. All right. Well, look, Erin, we'll keep and in PJ, touch. Can I just say thanks very much for putting it out in the yeah. news and retweeting it and to Dee as well because she's been very good, being in contact with us daily and everything. Do you know we really do appreciate it, and we're overwhelmed by all the support. It's the, it's the least we can do. It must be terrible to have a parent missing and and, and not be well, able to find her. It's just shocking. All right. It's just shocking. But look, God is good, and fingers crossed, we'll get some answers. All right, Aaron. You take care. And mind yourself, too, because you're six months pregnant, and just look after you as well. Thanks, Aaron. Frankie Devlin, she's 67. She was last seen outside the Garyville Hotel Saturday night. It was a busy night. There was a wedding at the hotel. She was at a reunion. There would have been a lot of cars parked there, a lot of traffic around. Around quarter to 11 is the last time she was seen. She's five foot eight, slim build, blonde hair, brown eyes, last seen wearing a black dress with a black top and a red and black jacket. She would not have been wearing any kind of a high-heeled shoe. She, she didn't like them. Gardy are looking for any motorist who might have dash cam footage or if you were at the wedding and went out into the car park, say, and just was snapping a picture of your friends. There might be a strange woman in a photograph that you didn't know, but you might have a time on a stamp on the photograph. Were you walking away from the hotel? Were you driving away from the hotel to, to go up about your business? Did you see a woman walking, heading maybe t- towards Ballycotton or heading maybe back towards Ladies Bridge or heading down even towards Kelly's, towards the caravan park there? In any one of those directions, did you see a lady... Uh, answering Frankie's description. You can contact Middleton Garda Station 021-462-1500-1550, sorry, or the confidential line, the Garda Confidential Line is 1-800-666-111. Or indeed, you can pick up the phone to me at 1850-715-996. If we get any more from that search throughout the course of the morning, we'll certainly bring it to you. Now, we've been waiting for this day, we've been passing it the last couple of weeks, waiting for it, to reopen. Uh, Pharmacy First Plus, um, unfortunately, has to relocate following the fire at Douglas Village Shopping Centre at the night of the 31st of August. Michael, are you open tomorrow or when are you opening? Good morning. No, uh, good morning, PJ. We're actually open today. Good, good. Um, So uh, the sign is on up in the door to say we are now open. Um, And we've been taking calls already this morning. So, um, yeah, it's it's, it's, uh, been an exciting day and try to get... Back up and running. Okay, just for describing people exactly where it is, as you drive in to Douglas, the back of Douglas there, past Dino's, there's a right turn, go in and there, straight in there. literally on the left. Literally on the left, or if you're yeah. coming past the South County, turn left, Definitely. and you're, and you're right. there, right next to the medical yeah. centre, actually, which is very handy. Yeah, just, just literally um, a few doors down. Um, so you, if you're walking in, you'd have to pass, you have to pass the pharmacy in order to go into the Woolen Mills altogether. Right. And we're so, we're so close to the road, so yeah. So it's uh, it's been a long few weeks, but uh, we're now uh, up and running. Yeah. Now you expect to be there, I suppose, until until next summer at least. Oh, at least, at least. Yeah. Uh, well, there's, there's there's very little feedback from um, 
um, from the, the shopping centre or, you know, even um, Hagerty's as to when um, this construction is going to be finished or even started, actually, to be honest, I don't yeah. know when it's starting. So um, we're kind of in the dark, really, in a sense. But um, what we, we expect is from their, 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 I think, the press release there a few weeks ago was summer 2020. That's so, right, that's right. That's right. I, I was speaking to, to Clayton and I was speaking to, to Bartis after that press release came out. They said they'd yeah. keep in touch with us. We haven't heard that since. That doesn't mean there's nothing going on, though. Do you no, know about no, any other unit holders in there that have managed to relocate, Michael? Um, I actually, do you know what? I haven't. I haven't really. I couldn't give you a concrete answer to that, okay. um, um, to be honest. I know that Leonard's have um, moved up to Broaddale, That's I, right. I believe. Um yeah. That's the only person I know. Music Zone were looking for a place. I know he was yeah, yeah. sniffing around a few places trying to get one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I just don't know. Um, I've been so, uh, so stuck dealing with my own I know. <laughs> my own oil um, that uh, I haven't actually had a chance to, to concentrate on anybody else. Well, listen, I wish you luck and, and uh, look after yourselves in there for the next Absolutely. couple of months. Thank you very much. You take care. for uh, all the airtime time given. Thanks. Not at all, Michael. 1850-715-996. They're open as of today, the Pharmacy First Plus Plus. What used to be actually, it used to be the old, one of the old Laura's school uniform shops back in the day. And it was empty there for months. So they're gone in there now. 1850-715-996. Yeah, Frank says, make sure you pay and display. Make absolutely sure you pay and display. Or your, your packet of pills will cost you an awful lot more th- than you had hoped. Uh, someone just rang to say they'd like to help in the search for Frankie. Is that permissible? I know the area fairly well. And uh, Frankie too, say hello to Kay. Okay, Kay, if you want to contact the guards in Middleton, they'll advise you as to what to do. Traffic is very backed up around Glonton, or almost into Glonton. Coming back towards Little Island, there's reports of a collision on the Cliff Road Glenmire. That's according to the Cork Safety Alerts on Twitter. 1850-715-996. Coming up, the mother of a young jockey who died in 2011. And she's seeking answers from the HSE as to why, effectively. 1850-715-996. Steve Hayes, and all this week, win tickets to the Clean Bandit DJ set at Cypress Avenue. Plus, I've got the freshest new music, and you choose with first or last. You all ready? The biggest hits now. The hit mix. Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96 FM. Now, the family of an amateur jockey who died after a fall in 2011 has received a settlement, an undisclosed settlement, at the High Court after the HSE admitted liability in elements of his care at Cork University Hospital. He was admitted to hospital on the 2nd of February 2011, died on the 7th. His name was Jack Tyner. And his mum, Mary, joins me on the phone. Mary, I know it's many years hence now, but my condolences on, on your loss. And these court cases must bring it all back to, to grim reality. Good morning to you. Good morning. Yes, it's um, it's like reliving the whole lot again. Yes. Tell me what happened. Remind us what happened. 
Well, he got a fall at the point to point and he was taken to CUH. And we were led to believe that it was nothing serious. They kept telling us, oh, no, he'll be fine. He, we might even be letting him home in a couple of hours. And that never happened. And after every day, they know he'll be home tomorrow. He'll be better tomorrow. And it never happened. Yeah. <coughs> At what point did, did, did he begin to Pardon? go into Syria? He went to, into serious decline after a couple of days, wasn't it? Yes, and they operated him on the Sunday. And they told us, he'll be okay now. We'll take, relieve the pressure. And that <coughs> we'll be waking him up on Monday morning. And he died Sunday night. So it never happened. Things didn't go according to plan. Yeah. Must have been a terrible shock to think that you were being told, look, he'll be okay, he'll be fine. And then all of a sudden... Yes, it was. That was the worst of it because we told everyone things are great. Look, everything seems to be going well. But then when we looked into it afterwards, it wasn't. You know, nothing was going... They were telling... Yeah. Sorry, I missed you know, that bit there. We you got lied. our own experts to look at the files and different things. Things weren't rosy as they were making it out to be. Yeah, you decided in 2013. Uh, you decided in 2013 then to seek legal action. Why did you do that? We just got very suspicious about it, and we were asking questions and we weren't getting any answers. Yeah, and that's. And the more we asked, the less we got told. And then we just got very suspicious. And then all of a sudden, put some all these files. And what we found out was horrifying. Things did go wrong, like. Yeah. And we, you weren't, you weren't we told. We went in there in good faith. Like, we thought we were in the right place. We were getting the right treatment. You go into the hospital and you expect to be treated with, you know, this is, you're with the experts. They were going to make everything better. Yes. And it didn't, and all we wanted to know was answers, what went wrong, and we were never told. Yes, and was it a case that the more you looked, the, the less you found out? Well, yeah, because we looked for his files, and they sent us out a little, about quarter of his files, and then we had to look for more, and we had to keep looking for his files till they eventually gave us everything. Yeah. And, when you you, know? and when you got the whole lot? Pardon? When you got all the files? yeah. Is that a shock to discover what was actually in them? Yeah, it was. Yeah. You know, so... Tell me a bit about Jack. <clears throat> what was he like? What was he... What kind of a lad was he? Oh, he was... Loved life, basically. He played football like most lads. Um, loved horse riding and fashion. He was top jockey. But he just enjoyed life. He went everywhere and done as much as he could and he saw his in his short life that he... He didn't realise that he wouldn't have all he wouldn't have time to fulfil all his dreams, but he was a great son and brother and he, at the time and all life was rose was going the right way. He was having winners. Everything was going the way he wanted it to go. He was very promising at his chosen sport. Yeah, he was. He was after riding a winner just the day before. Or the, 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 the race before he got the fall and he went out on the last race in, uh, on top of the world as the man said and he came down at the first jump and that was were you, the there, when he, were you there when he fell Mary? No I was actually home because it was, um, it was the middle of the week for the replacement meeting 
and like the other kids were in school and things like that. And I remember I just rang my sister; she was at the races as well. And I said, "How I knew having the winner," and I just rang to see how the next horse was running. And she says, "Oh, Jack's off getting the falls." Yeah. And I says, "Yeah, okay, you know, they get falls. You that's and for the way she said it, I'll ring you back." And I said, there's something wrong here. Yes. And I had a kid bring her, and she eventually answered me. And she said, look, I ring the back in, and I knew there was something wrong then. Yes. And that was, you know, the next time I met him was inside in COH. And was he unconscious? <clears throat> yes, he was unconscious, but he was moving, and he was a bit agitated and stuff like that. But he wasn't, you know, he was concussed or unconscious at the time, but he was still moving and things. But, yeah. you know, he didn't... Um, and did you, <coughs> did he come round at all? Were you able to talk to him? No, he never came around. He looked at us all the following morning, he opened his eyes once, and that was the end of it. I didn't, there was no more then. I remember calling the nurses. I said, look, he's opening his eyes, he's waking up. And you once said, no, he's not. And I said, he did look at me. And that was it, you know. Yeah. We didn't have any more then. Yeah, that must be very, yeah. you must, I mean, sitting there by your son's bed waiting for him to look at you or smile at you or say hi, mom, or something, that must be, that must be enough. Well, yes, it was because, well, we've all had concussions. Yeah. I've had concussions myself, and you wake up again and you're okay. You know, you never think you're not going to wake up. Yeah. In this, you know, that's not what you think is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But on this day, it did happen, and that's what. That's what did happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we just had to come to terms with it, and we have to come to terms with it all over again now and just try to live life, you know? Yeah. He's a, he's a big void in our in our lives, but, you know, we just keep going, and I was lucky I had, I had about five girls to keep us going, or except my husband, only for them, we wouldn't have... We wouldn't be here. I don't think we'd have... All if, only for them. Yeah. You know, and they've been great. Yeah. Are you satisfied now with with the answers that you have had? Well, yes, but they could have given it to us without all this hassle and trouble and all to have made life life so much easier if they just told us yes, this wrong, that went wrong yeah. and it would have been a lot easier. Yes. Instead of putting us through everything because I remember we went to the inquest and we thought we'd get answers. Yes. And at the inquest, there was no one there, no one from the hospital there. Yes. And they were trying to blame jockey, other jockeys, other horses, anything like, you know, there was nothing about the hospital. But even at the time, we didn't think anything of the hospital till we just kind of started thinking more, you know. Yes. And it was, um, all we wanted was answers. And we got answers the day of the trial, of the inquest. We wouldn't have gone any further if there's someone there to answer questions for. Yes, yeah. What? Did, wasn't. For example, what did the post mortem say, Mary? Oh, just that he died of head injuries, severe head injuries. Right. And like he actually died of a heart attack the night he died. Yes. But as the coroner said to me inside of the day, well, his heart has to stop to die. Yes. <laughs> we said he died of a heart attack. No, and that's all she said to me, and I was just going what you know i just kind of yeah yeah <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. <clears throat> what did happen i i know because the nature of the, of the case being you may not be able to talk about everything but what 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 did happen 
Do you know, no? They just... They treated him that he was... He, that They didn't treat him that he, or, or like a person that was as ill as he was or as, a, you know, had concussion or had damage as bad as he was. That was basically it from the outset. Was, was he effectively misdiagnosed, Mary? Yeah. They said, ah, sure, he'll wake up. And the doctor said to us inside the first evening... After a couple of hours, I says, oh, sure, we'll probably keep him for the night, and yeah, and he'll probably, he'll probably wake up during the night. He'll be fine. Yeah. But we we'll probably, we will keep him. He kind of said he kind of said first he's got to send him home, and then he said no, no, we'll keep him overnight, and he'll probably wake up. See, that was the problem from the onset. They didn't. Was he scanned? Him. Pardon? Was he scanned? Yes, he was scanned, but on the file they couldn't read it properly. But they didn't take him down for another scan. It had said the scans couldn't be properly, but they didn't take them for another one. Why? I don't know. We didn't know at the time that they couldn't read it properly. Mm. We weren't told that. Yeah. But when we just looked into it, that's what we read. They even wrote it was written down in the notes. Yeah. Now, the outcome, like you, the outcome of the case, um, and just quoting, uh, the, the HSE was admitting fault, this is according to senior counsel, for your family, the HSE has admitted fault, but not causation. What does that mean, do you know? Has your lawyer explained that to you? <clears throat> that wasn't their fault that he actually died. Right. You know, fine, I'm not saying he didn't get a fault from ours. Fine, it happened. But their treatment didn't help him in any way, which they should have. <clears throat> Our specialist had told told us he'd a ninety one or ninety two percent survival rate. They said he'd have died anyway. Right. So like and they said, Oh, he'd have been from that would be wrong with him but our specialist said as people don't know the brain and maybe he might have been have a little bit of a learning disability or something like that, but he could have still have been perfect. Yeah. As I said, a lot of people have brain problems and they're, and they're slow and all the rest, but they're still perfect. You yeah, know, put it that way. I like. know. How do you feel now, Mary? You know, obviously, nothing, no, no admission of anything, no package of any kind can ever bring back your, your lovely boy. But how do you feel about it all right now? How do the rest of the family feel? Uh, I don't know. We're just kind of a bit numbing at all again because it's just. It's like it's happening now again. Yeah. And we're just still, why you like? That's the biggest question, why you like? Yeah. Has anybody from the hospital spoken to you personally? Or has it all been no. done through the lawyers? No, never. It's all done through lawyers. No, you know, that's, no, one's ever, no one's ever sat you down and said, listen, can we talk about this or can we discuss no, it? Or? No, they what never mean? wanted that. They never wanted it till like till I just kept saying no. I wa- I'm going to keep going with this. They thought I'd say they, they were hoping out of it because they kept saying, "Oh, this is wrong anyway. He'd have died and he did this." And I said, "No, there's something." I said, "I'm not giving into it." There was problems there. They should have looked after him. They should have looked after him better. Yeah. And they just didn't like like if they had just held up their hands, as it were, on on day one. Would you ever have gone to court? No. 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 
we only wanted answers. Yeah. I just wanted I just couldn't I knew there was something wrong and I said, No, I said, Can someone just tell me what went wrong? There was no one willing to say anything like as I said, at the inquest we thought we'd get answers. Yeah. And we got nothing. And then you know, just different things happened and some different people said something and I said, Oh, yeah, we can look into this, you know, that kind of thing. So you know, just think something is wrong somewhere. Yeah. Especially when there was no one from the HSC at the inquest that's really or the from the CUH that just kind of put me thinking why aren't they here why can't someone tell me something like yes well they, you, you'd have, I would have expected them or anyone would expect them to have been part of the inquest that would certainly set you thinking and whatever sum of money you have been awarded that's not what this is about is it Mary? oh no no that's not what it's about it's just answers and just get people more aware and hopefully get the hospital more aware that they have to look after people better and they have to I know there's mistakes to be made all the time everywhere people are only human but just I let so I'm just hoping that there's more notice taken in this you know CUH or every other hospital when they need when someone goes in with head injuries or with any kind of injury like yeah that's just it Looking back on it now, and I don't know if this is if it's possible to put yourself in this kind of position, but if if someone had sat you down, maybe when he took a turn for the worse, or when he passed away, if someone had sat down and said, "Mary, look, um, we got this wrong, or we miscalculated how bad he was, or whatever," would that have meant something to you at the time? Yeah, I suppose it would. I'd probably be mad and probably everything, but I would have. And, you know, like I suppose I'd have said, Jack, come on, send him to Dublin, send him somewhere else. Someone has to make him better. You know, that would be my attitude. Yes, yes. You know, but we didn't get the chance to do that. Like, we were never told he was actually so bad. Like, there was no such thing. Because I know he always had said he wanted to donate his organs and different things. He did, But, like, that never came to it. No. You know, and when it did happen, it was too far anyway. He was gone. You couldn't do it. Oh, no. But, you know, just little things. You know, if you had been told, if you were expecting things this way, like none of his sisters and friends even got in to say goodbye to him, especially sisters, because they all wanted to go in. My mother could see Jack, and I, he was inside in intensive care with tubes everywhere and beepers and monitors. And I said, no, I don't want you to remember Jack or see Jack with all these tubes. you see him tomorrow when he's better. Yes. And that never happened. Yes. That's what they were very upset about that, that they actually never got to see him to say goodbye. Yeah. Or even see him, you know, while he was there. Like. And I guess if anybody had come up to you and admitted to you, look, he's a lot worse than we thought, you could have brought your daughters in and, they could, and his friends and they could have sat with him and spoken to him and held his hand and does all, done all those really important things. Well, yes, and... Do you feel robbed like, of that, Mary? Yes, yeah, that's what we were, they were robbed of, really. And I, like, as I said, if I knew he was that bad, I'd never have left his side. I stayed with him every night. I was in every evening about... I was there from about 6 o'clock till my husband came in at lunchtime again every day. I stayed all... Every night with him, and I went home. He made me go home then for a small bit, but I went back in again. Yeah. But I'd have never left his side. We'd have never left him if we thought it was this way. I had no way would I leave the hospital if I thought he wasn't going, that in case he wasn't going to be there in the morning, like, or when I went, or that evening again when I went back. Yeah. 
like the Sunday evening or the Sunday night, my husband went away at about six, about seven o'clock, I'm not sure now what time. And I said, sure, fine, I'll give you a ring how things are going. Next day I had to ring him and say, come back in quick, you know, quick, quick, there's something gone wrong here. But he left, you know, yeah. fine, you know, but there's no way we'd have left his side, like. Mm. Were, you, were you with Jack when he passed away? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, because they were all in trying to resuscitate him with different things, but I was. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and I basically kept him alive till my husband came back in, but, you know, it was no good then, to, he was gone at that stage, like, but, you know. I know. I'm sorry for <laughs> taking you back there, Mary, but... Uh, yeah, but it's, it's, I'll be there all the time. It just, you try to put in the back of your mind a little bit when you try to enjoy life, and I just keep mad busy, and... Yeah. I try to, you know, try to enjoy it. You put a face on because I'm afraid if I come down too low, I mightn't come back up. So I try to keep on a high and keep busy. That's yeah. that's our motto. You know, just keep high and not keep high, but just, you know, put a smile keep on. Going, and keep going. Keep going. That's it, chef. And, and can you... Can you relax a little bit now knowing that you've done your absolute best for him? I think so. I think so. You know, because if I didn't do what I'd always I was in back of mind. Why didn't I do this? Why, why didn't I find out more? Why didn't I look into it more? And because I, I mean, I was afraid if anyone goes into the hospital, that something's going to happen to them again. So hopefully, this might help them yes. to keep be sure and ask more questions and not to take things for granted so much. Is that your kind of message to other parents today, Mary? You know, don't yes. ever be afraid to ask questions. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And if you don't get the answer, ask again. Well, yeah, because like. I know I've had my kids, other kids have been in there and different things. My husband been in the hospital inside there as well. But, and I keep asking questions and they began looking at me, my younger daughters, and what was wrong with me every time I go in? I said, what's wrong? Tell me, I want to know this and get, you know. And now they know why I kept asking questions, why I was so, you know, wanted to know what was happening all the time. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, but that is it, just keep asking questions. Don't take anything for granted. Well, you know what, Mary, wherever he is, he's proud of his mum. Thank you. You take care of yourself now. Okay, thanks very much. Cheers. Bye-bye. Mary Tyner, 1850-715-996. Right now, we're celebrating 30 great years on your radio. Cork's 96FM says thank you for your continued support. Continued support. 30, 30, 30 years. Taoiseach, thank you for taking the time to speak with the opinion line today. A lot of listeners are quite cynical about it. The proposition is that the people of Cork City should be allowed to uh, elect the Lord Mayor. Now, you know, when they say hail, you know, they talk about hailstones like the size of golf balls. Right? Listen, these things were the size of tennis balls, Steve. I'm wow. not joking you. They're actually denting cows and everything. Early, early, early years old. Remembering 30 years of radio in Cork. We are Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. A message from Kevin via WhatsApp. Apropos of absolutely nothing. Tell you, we get some strange ones. This, this is great. He says, I just saw an eagle. Eagle? I just saw an eagle dropping a pigeon on the road in front of me. No breakfast for him yet. Anyway, the poor fella. Amazeballs. 
It's actually amazing. He flew right over my van and dropped the little pigeon on the other side of the road. I couldn't pull over anywhere to try and help the pigeon out. But sure, I light a candle for him later. Thanks, Kevin. Coming up later, do you think we're doing enough to help people with a disability to get work in our society? Because there's a lot of evidence there to say not only are we not doing enough, but in actual fact they're being actively discriminated against. We'll be touching on that between 10 and midday. Also, that family in East Cork, we, we were approached over the last couple of months to see could we help with a long-term project for a family in East Cork. And we'll hear about that one in the second half of the show today. There's a fierce uh, controversy after blowing up about this new Joker movie. I haven't seen it yet. I'm not a massive fan of the whole Batman thing. I would be much more a, a Superman kid in my time and that kind of thing. But the Joker is a fine film by all accounts and Joaquin Phoenix is playing out of his skin portraying the Joker. But it's a very, very dark film. And the makers are in real trouble over featuring a Gary Glitter song in it. Gary Glitter, of course, jailed in 2015 for 16 years for abusing three young girls. Now, now here's the weird thing. He was jailed in 2015 for 16 years. It's thought he could be released as early as next year. That'll be a controversy itself when it happened. But in 1972, he had a big hit called Rock and Roll Part 2, and that's used in a major scene in the film. And the, the film is the history of how the Joker became the Joker. The song, according to the producers, ties in with that. There's a major controversy about it, though. We just keep, keep a watching eye on that. And on the subject of entertainment, if you have an hour and a half to spend of an evening... Between now and Saturday, you could do a lot worse for yourself than get along to the Cork Arts Theatre, the Cat Club. I was in there last night uh, to see a new play. I was talking to Irene Kelleher about this on the programme a couple of weeks ago, The Misfit Mythology. It's a strange name for a play uh, written, produced, directed by Irene Kelleher from Cork and uh, played by herself and Anna Hardwick. It's about big secrets in a small town. And it's powerful and it's tragic and it's very, very funny and it's well worth an hour and a half in the catalogue. It runs until Saturday and it's always nice to promote good new local talent and we've certainly got it on display there. Runs until Saturday at the catalogue called The Misfit Mythology. You will enjoy. Here we go. The Takeover. On Cork's 96FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. As part of the big drive home, you take control of the music weeknights from 7. You decide what we fade and what gets played. Okay, when I'm with my baby. Gotta blame it on what you, baby. Oh, she's sweet but a psycho. The Takeover. You pick what we play. See our song list at 96FM.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. 1850-715-996 text 083-396-96-96 and the email opinion at 96fm.ie Jude on Twitter says she's going to see the Joker movie tonight and will let us know what she thinks good, that'll be nice to hear Jude she's surprised I'm a bit of a, a Superman fan because she reckons I'd be more Spider-Man because I'm always up the walls thanks Jude 
Thanks a lot. 1850-715-996. Text 083-396-9696. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Workplace discrimination against people with disability is persistent, pernicious and prevalent. That's according to the head of the Irish Human Rights and Equality Commission, Emily Logan. She's their chief commissioner. And she said that the latest figures from the CSO on employment show that people with a disability are more than twice as likely to be unemployed than those without a disability. She also said that her commission is now getting a persistently high level of calls and complaints specifically about disability discrimination in employment. 36% of all the complaints they've had so far this year have been about disability and about discrimination against people with disabilities. The numbers of people, the the percentage of people with a disability in this country who are able to work or who have been able to find work is extremely low. And many people with a disability are quite capable of doing a job. In fact, quite capable of doing an extremely good job. Uh, But they just don't get inside the door because somebody sees their cane or somebody sees their wheelchair or, you know, somebody sees something else. And then if you've got a disability that's invisible, you get in and you get the job and then you know things start to happen to you as things happen with a disability and you can end up under pressure and you can end up losing your job or being made very uncomfortable in your job so we decided we'd explore this a little bit there's a a very good thread on twitter from mary mary's working at the moment um, and I think according your own disability is your your grand most of the time. It only comes at you sometimes, Mary. Is that right? Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, yeah, that's true. So I have a chronic illness. Uh, so 80% of the time I'm fine, but I do require recurring surgeries and I do have chronic pain. Okay. So to look at me, I don't have a mobility aid. I'm not in a wheelchair. I don't look the stereotypical disabled, but mm. technically I am. You have what they call an invisible disability. Exactly, yeah. And how often would it come at you? Uh, In the last 10 years, I've had about four surgeries. Uh, I have chronic pain all the time, um, but sometimes it's, obviously that varies day by day, depending on stress and things like that. So surgery once every kind of three to five years and pain, day off from pain, maybe once every few months. Oh, really? That's tough. That's very tough. Now, you were able to to get a job and you're clearly good at that job, but you in your Twitter thread, you make it clear that because of your disability, because of your problems, work life has been uncomfortable, to say the least, from time to time. Oh, very much so. Uh, in my first job many, many years ago, uh, before I became disabled, um, I went into HR and told them that I required surgery and that I would need to be out for a period of time. And I was pulled into a meeting because my surgery was cancelled last minute. And I was told that I was a bad team player, that I was selfish, that my team stats were down and it was my fault because I was out sick, that I wasn't considering the business and that if I tried to have another surgery without giving appropriate notice, my employment would be terminated. So that's completely illegal. I know, but prove it. It was me versus the head of HR and the operations manager for that company. There's no proof of that meeting anywhere. And I didn't think to record it because at the time I was 
1920 and had just found out I was disabled and was absolutely terrified. So they knew that they could do whatever they wanted and that they would probably get away with it. And they have. Yeah. Now you continue to work. So, and, you know, obviously you don't just probably need, can't tell me too much about where you work right now. But I mean, how are things in your workplace right now? They don't know that I'm sick and it's going to stay that way for as long as I can possibly hold out. Um, it just, it varies so much. Even in my previous position, we had a big long chat on my first day about how you couldn't discriminate against anybody. But then I found out that somebody who had cancer was pulled into a meeting with the head of HR and told that if they signed a letter saying they wouldn't get cancer again because it affected the business. <laughs> Signed letters saying they wouldn't get cancer again. Yeah. And obviously... How did the clown who asked them that, that to do that, how did they even get a job, let alone end up head of HR? They should be writing with crayons. You'd think. But uh, he's very good at what he does, even if it is terrorised people. Jesus. So you... And, and that's why you haven't told your present employers because you're afraid of what would happen. Yeah, like I only started in this role maybe two or three months ago, so my probationary period isn't over. So I am extremely aware that anything that could count against me, even if I do a good job, if they decide that they've hit their quota for disabled uh, employees and they don't need another one, then I'd be first on the chopping block. Mm. You said that you live in terror of being found out. I do. I'm actually, I'm in work right now and I'm sitting outside in my car because I'm so afraid that somebody will hear. And then we'll have to have the chat where I lied to them and I didn't tell them that I was sick. And now it's my fault that I'm being terminated because I broke contract. Before I started in this role, I was made to fill out a um, an online questionnaire, of, you know, a pre-medical assessment, and they wanted everything. Every time I've sneezed in the last seven years, every medication I've been on, every time I went to see a doctor, everyone's contact details for my consultants, uh, they wanted absolutely everything. And they said that if I didn't submit everything, that my would be terminated because uh, I had broken the contract but I am under no legal obligation to disclose anything to do with my health and frankly it's none of their business that's right I give up my job and I haven't rang in sick I show up on time I stay late there's absolutely no reason for them to know but you said that you were actually handed a medical questionnaire does that happen to everybody that starts in that place I would imagine so is your boss even are they even allowed to do that no I imagine not but, you know, it, in most places would have a pre-medical assessment now. I've never seen one that in-depth. That was terrifying. But they can hire and fire who they like, realistically. Yeah. In particular as well, because I'm currently working in the public service and they want to have at least 6% of employees with disabilities by the year 2024, but 13.5% of the population are disabled. And... Uh, you know, it doesn't really add up. They Maybe they want to pick a box, maybe they don't. But I don't want to be the one to be found out and then find out that I'm out of a job because they've already ticked the box. Yeah, like 13.5% sounds, it's just a percentage, but when you break it down, that's one person in seven has some kind 
of a disability and many of them are invisible. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't, I mean, I, this is probably a horrible thing to say, but am I lucky because I can hide mine and I don't look sick? Because I don't have to disclose. There are people who don't have that choice, who are openly with mobility aids or maybe a walking stick or whatever they need to get around day to day and they don't have the choice to hide it. But realistically, we shouldn't live in a world where you have to hide it. Do especially you, if you can do the job. Do you believe, Mary, that if you had disclosed, you wouldn't have your job now? It wouldn't be the first time. I have been told that I have jobs before, I just need to fill out a form, and the second they find out I have a chronic illness or a disability, suddenly we found somebody else. Sorry. Yeah. So... So you're not at all surprised by the figures given out by Emily Logan and, and the number of complaints that her, her commission is getting? Well, no, because there's absolutely nothing done to penalise employers who discriminate against a workplace uh, people in the workplace with disabilities in that way. Most employers don't make the necessary accommodations for disabled employees. To be fair, they're also not usually aware of the different grants and allowances that they can get, but that's not an excuse. Mm. Yeah, I spoke here a couple of months ago actually to a young chap who's deaf, profoundly deaf and he was part of a television programme and he went to the UK to find work and he came in here to talk to me uh, with his interpreter and the story they told me of how much help he got in the UK to let him use his skills and, and, and his abilities and, and to work it work with his disability versus the fact that he'd find it almost impossible to get a job back here. We have a lot to learn. We really do. And it's a sad state of affairs that somebody with a disability has to move to another country to get basic supports. But it, I'm not even a little bit surprised. Sure, even the government are cutting the uh, rehabilitative training allowance to people with disabilities who've left education. So that's people who are now without that 30 euro a week, which doesn't sound like much, but if you're on disability allowance, that's over 10% of what you're getting every week. It's and a lot, it's a lot of money it. when you haven't got it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's a lot of money when you don't have anything else coming in because you can't work. Or because you can work, but no one will hire you. Well, look, I'm not going to let you live in fear anymore. Mary, uh, go, go back in and go back to work. And thank you so much for being so open with us this morning. 1850-715-996. Not going to disclose the nature of her disability either because we don't want anyone finding out. But isn't it, isn't it an absolute shag and disgrace? And she's in the public sector. She's in the public sector where things are supposed to be great all the time. She has to come out and sit in her car and hide. Just from the Twitter thread, there's the terror of being found out. You know, uh, it's it's just not fair, not fair at all. Soraka says it's true. I could never get a job in Ireland. My disability was always a negative. Got a job in the UK within three months. Two other colleagues of mine have health conditions as well. Employers in Ireland see it as a hassle and as a burden. Julie says people pay lip lip service when it comes to disabilities, but they just scratch the surface, and you'll see there's no support or acceptance for anyone that doesn't fit in. Look at the way our government treats people with disabilities. How do we expect private organisations to step up? People with disabilities are seen by the state as a burden, as a problem that has to be dealt with. And this mindset carries over to the workplace and the general population. 
people with disabilities are highly adaptable, very hard workers, strong, and if given half a chance, will make brilliant staff. Cleanus says, I scored very high in the public service recruitment campaign. I was told the next available job was mine until I went for a medical. Suddenly, there were no more jobs. 1850-715-996. There's 1,440 minutes in your day. Is it filled with the music you love? Give us just 10 minutes of your time and it will be Have Your Say on the Songs We Play with the Cork's 96FM Music Panel. Go to 96FM.ie now and you could win a €100 shopping voucher. The survey only takes 10 minutes. Join the Cork's 96FM Music Panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter or see 96FM.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 9696. On Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, that guy I spoke to a few months ago who was deaf, his name was Owen, and he's a construction engineer, project manager on building sites, and he couldn't find work here. But he went over to the UK. And he explained to me how they actually value his skills and value his talents so much that they will make it happen. They will just make it happen that his workplace becomes uh, accessible and becomes uh, workable for him, as it were. Not so much here. 1850-715-996. Text us or WhatsApp 83 396 Lisa. Yeah, good morning, PJ. You can identify with a lot of what Mary was saying. I can. So I have been in the fortunate position that I have remained with the same employer since, um, like, since before um, I uh, developed my disability. So I have a formal diagnosis of depression and fibromyalgia, um, both of which kind of flared up mostly um, after a car accident that I had six years ago. Okay. Um, So I was working with that employer beforehand uh, when I got hit by the car. I was pregnant. Um, So from that point, um, I was out for 10 months at that stage until the end of my maternity leave. I've been in and out of work for long periods since then. My employer has been very understanding. um, But I have had to face kind of questions of, really, are you really in the the amount of pain that you seem to be in? There's no real reason for it. I've seen more medical professionals. I've seen paid more money to consultants for like three-minute visits just to get letters to state that, yes, it's not in her head. Um, I only received the diagnosis of fibromyalgia this year. It's one of these ones that you have to basically read out absolutely everything. Mm. Um, I just so, tell people what that's like. I, I know someone who suffers from it, so it's an extremely painful condition. How does it affect you? Can you hear me? Yeah, that line isn't the best, but we'll try anyway. Go on. Sorry. Yeah, so fibromyalgia is basically you are in pain all over your body at all times. It flares up in, um, in, in, in my case, in times of high stress or, say, even the change of weather can do it. Um, I, and it affects your sleep. It affects your mood. It affects, um, for me, it can affect my memory. I get brain fog, so I could be in the middle of a sentence. And I will completely forget what I was talking about, which given that I work in a contact centre, I work in customer care. So I can't be on a phone call with a customer 
trying to get through their issue and then halfway through the sentence they kind of go in, I have absolutely no idea what I was talking about. Um, so the position, what I was te- what I was tweeting about yesterday was my um, my experience of working within a contact centre environment because I know that it isn't unique to my work, my, my own employer, who, as I said, has been extremely understanding with my condition, but the... Um, the issue of being sick in these kind of work environments. So regardless of whether or not I have had medical notes or not, I have been penalised for my absences. So each absence I get, I get a point against me. You get three points, you get a disciplinary meeting. You get five points, you are fired. It's it's as simple as that. And that's regardless of the fact that you have a proper medical diagnosis. Doesn't matter. Does not matter. So my so what how it has affected me is that I've been out of work for a long stint of time because I need to be sure when I do go back to work that I am completely better. Because if I come go back to work, so these these basically renew on a six monthly basis. So you kinda can get the five points within the six months or whichever before you're fired. But if I say have come out so I'm currently out of work because I had a massive flare up last month, um if I go back to work next week and then something happens two weeks later and I'm back out again, that's a second point against me. Even though it's related to the same illness, even though I had medical letters stating that I need certain conditions, um, it, it still points against me. So it, it actually makes you more hesitant to go back in because they're obviously expecting you to be on your A-game. They're expecting you to do the 40 hours that they're paying you for. And which I completely understand is for business needs. But it, it is not flexible to the needs of people who have long-term illnesses, who have chronic illnesses, who have invisible disabilities that may not um, kind of come to it. Um, I have had two interviews within the company to progress within the six years that I have worked there. And on both times, I have been turned down on the basis of my not being in work um, for long enough a- after being out for illness. Um, that my absences have counted against me. Yeah. Once you get to three points in it, it starts to, you're not allowed to go for promotion, you're not allowed to go for, like, anything progression within the company because mm. it looks like you're not a team player. I did, I even had one manager who, when I was coming back on a phased return um, from a long-term, um, from a long-term spell out, because I didn't do overtime at our busiest time of year, I did, I therefore did not count as, um, doing my part for the team and did not get uh, a good review the following year and therefore did not uh, get a pay raise. Can I ask the obvious devil's advocate question? Absolutely. If I put myself into the position of an employer and I'm looking at you and I know that you're brilliant at your job. You really are good at your job and you're a great asset to me when you're here. But unfortunately, you have an illness that means that for days and maybe weeks at a time, I don't have you. I don't have your skills. And unfortunately, you become unreliable to me. Now, I'm trying to run my business. I need a staff who are there as often as possible or as often as they humanly can be. And if I've got one staff member who is going to be missing for periods of time, it becomes a liability it? it does, and I, I I said that in the tweet yesterday, that absolutely, if an employer is looking at me and they're looking at a healthy person, they're going to opt for the healthy person. 
which is why I would be reticent if it was any other employer to mention that I have these issues because I, I know for a fact that I wouldn't get the job, even though it is illegal to discriminate against me on the on the basis of my disability. Yes, they they will they will find the excuse. They will find whatever they need to find because. Um, because I completely understand that it does make me a, a, a liability. The problem that, that I have had is lack of flexibility of hours. So, like a lot of a lot of workplaces have flexi time. A lot of workplaces ha- allow you to uh, work part time. Unfortunately, that isn't something that my work environment has allowed me. I would be able to go back on part time hours, but that is not an option that is being afforded to me. I'm expected to go back straight full steam ahead. And it is the the problem is that Irish employers have a very much so um, you have to be seen to be there. Um, there's no real flexibility, and like this has come up with kind of like working parents needing like flexible hours, being able to work from home, this kind of stuff. Mm. Um, it isn't just with disability, but it is one of these things that, and uh, it is obviously going to count against me. And like like your last caller, it's something that when I do eventually move jobs, because I have gone on, I've retrained. Um, in my time out of work because I wasn't able to go back full time um, but I was able to manage to do a master's while I was out because it, I was able to do that on a very part time basis with taking all the breaks with taking the whole lot um, so I have managed to do that but I'm now, I'm now very very aware that I am going to go out into job interviews yeah. and I'm going to have to either lie or I'm going to have to put myself on the line and see that I'm getting turned down because a healthier person has gone for the job what, if anything, can or should a government or a legislative system do to help somebody like you? First of all, it, it has, well, in any kind of a decent moral society, it has an obligation to assist you. What, what should it do? Like, I think the fact that it is in legislation that you cannot... Um, you cannot discriminate on the basis of disability. They need to go into more detail as to what is a disability because most employers kind of go, oh, you know, we have the wheelchair ramp. Everyone can get in. We're fine. Um, Like, more education needs to be done to employers, both in the public and private sector, as to what what can be done. Um, As far, like, I work in the private sector, so the government doesn't really have a role in deciding what my employer does or does not do. Well, it um, does, well, 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 the government makes employment law. They do, but like once they go, like they, all they can really say is you make the necessary accommodations. But that leaves so much, um, that leaves so much kind of blurriness around it that because um, they can't get it just right for absolutely everybody, there wouldn't be. those kind of provisions within law but I think for people definitely who work in the public sector um, it is something that does need to be addressed because those provisions are not there um, in a lot of anybody who I've spoken to who does work in the public sector um, who has any kind of issues they either end up going out on long term sick or leaving work because they're not being accommodated and that is down to the state because that is state controlled Okay Okay, good to talk to you, Lisa. Thanks very much. 1850-715-996. Sandra says, my son is doing his leaving cert. He has a hidden disability and says, no point doing the leaving, so no one will employ him. He says, all I can do is tell him they will, but it's going to be so hard for him. 
says Sandra. Caller says, sounds about right, uh, knows a factory that dismissed employees with medical issues as they were not contributing to the company. Antoinette asks, is this what my child has to endure when she finishes school and goes looking for a job? What happened to equality for all? Oh, it's Ireland. That doesn't exist. Hi, PJ. My daughter's graduating this October with a degree, and I just can't get and she just can't get work. She has a disability. Employers just don't want people like her. It's soul destroying looking at her day in, day out. And Surika, uh, I, I could never get a job in Ireland. My disability was always a negative. Got a job in the UK within three months. Two other of my colleagues have health conditions as well employers and Ireland see it as a hassle and a burden. I think I actually read that one a while ago, but it's worth reading it again because in the UK they would put us to shame. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewellery and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way, and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 1850 Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with your update on Cork's live scene. One of Ireland's favourite stand-ups, Carl Spain, returns to Cork this weekend for what is always a very popular show at City Limits Comedy Club. Carl plays City Limits on Saturday night with guests with tickets available on the door. Access all areas. Legendary Irish folk trio Scullion are coming to Connolly's of Lep this Sunday night, October 13th. It's one of several great shows coming up at the West Cork venue with tickets available now through U-Ticket. Access all areas. The Reuse Republic exhibition returns for its third year on October 24th, showcasing some of this country's most innovative and imaginative upcyclers. Held at Cork County Hall and free to the public, the exhibition will give attendees the opportunity to meet people involved in various reuse themes, including furniture, food, clothing, paint and more. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. Loads of comments on disability and how people with disabilities, particularly invisible ones, have difficulties at work. And the more visible ones, 
they can't even get a job. Ashling says it's so hard when you have a hidden illness because people judge the crap out of you. They think you're a hypochondriac because they can't see the pain that you're in. To other kinds of employment problems. Tricia, good morning to you. Morning, how's things? Good, good, good. Now, there's something happening at St. Vincent's and that you want to tell us about. Yeah, um, yesterday we were up at the revenue office. So, um, at the moment, the employees of St. Vincent's are in, like, an employment limbo. It's um, very hard and very stressful. So, in March 2017, the Sisters of Charity... First of all, Tricia, tell us about St. Vincent's. Who are they and what do they do? Um... St. Vincent's is a residential centre for adults with intellectual disabilities. Okay. Um, and we're there at the top of Shandon Street and everyone there would know us and know everyone that works with us and that. Okay. And um, yeah, it's just very hard at the moment. But how many um, adults live there or are available the services there? Um, I'd rather not get into kind of details like that, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, just for highlighting about what's going on with the staff. Okay. Um, How many staff are there? Um, oh, there's a lot of staff. At the moment, I'm talking about 35 situ members, okay. but obviously then we have nurses as well in there with the INMO. And then we have people on um, a C scheme and... Um, we have a lot of agency work at the moment as well, okay. but obviously they wouldn't be affected as the permanent staff will be because they're paid through the agency, That's not true. directly. So, so what's been happening? So it's basically what's happening is we're being paid, um, but we're being paid under a different tax number. So it's basically the, ta- the revenue office can't recognise that I've paid my tax. Therefore, I'm having trouble accessing any of... Um, Social welfare benefits like your your you know your free eye test every two years, your dentist visit every year. If you go out sick, you're entitled to um, sick benefit, mm. um, maternity benefit, all of that. We're entitled to nothing because there's two tax numbers going on. Because what happened was the sisters of charity who were running the service withdrew from the service in March 2017. Okay. The HSE had to step in. Yes. So now, because the like because the what was then St Vincent's the company call it um, doesn't technically exist anymore, nice. then we're being paid still through a different tax number, but it's not being put against our tax records. So, whose name is so, on your payslip, for example? What company name is on your payslip? Well, it says St Vincent still, but. You know, it's 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 really hard to explain. Yeah, <laughs> but I, 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 I know, yeah, I know, I understand. I take it that your payslip at the end of the week comes with a list of all your deductions. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everything's still being paid the same as it was ever before anything happened. Um, we're still paying our tax, PRSI, USC, everything is deducted from mm. everyone's pay. And But you can't avail um, of any of the services that you're entitled no, to? No, because there's two tax numbers going on. And our tax is being paid, and we have been assured by the HSE that our tax is being paid. But it's like the revenue can't recognise that I'm Trisha and I've paid my tax, but it's over in that bank account over there. 
and I can't recognise it and put it against my record to show that I'm entitled to X, Y, and Z. That's, that's daft. And, and whose yeah. fault is this? Well, it's a little bit of everyone, but at the moment, the reason we were highlighting it yesterday was the revenue can really help us out in this because the HSE have asked the revenue to do something about it and they've came back and said they basically, they know what's going on, but they can't do anything. Obviously, the Sister of Charity have nothing to do with us anymore. Hold on, hold on, hold on. They know what's going on. They know how it's going on. Yeah. There are two... The Revenue are aware of everything. The HSE are aware of everything. The Sisters of Charity are aware of everything. And, um, yeah, it's... So there are two, if you want, revenue numbers. Yeah. For St. Vincent's. For St. Vincent's. So one would be St. Vincent's, and then one is how we're paying our tax through the number. And And I'm assuming that the revenue know of the existence of both. Yes. And they know that one is dead and the other is alive. Yes. But they can't change it? Yeah, because what, what actually is wrong is they need the employer number. And you see, technically, the HSE as they're saying, are not our employer. So it's like if they paid our tax through them, let's just say, or they're through their tax number, um, they'd technically be our employer. So it's like an interim employer, and then that's why they can't, it's, it's, they can't, um, they can't give us, or they can't register the P35s. So then if they register the P35s, they're saying they're our employer, but they don't want to say they're our employer. So then they can't put out the P35s. So then the revenue can't recognise old Trisha's earned this much and she's but the paid reven- this much in. The revenue, this, this, is, this is crazy. The revenue are able yeah. to tell you, okay, Trisha, there's your wage. You've paid your taxes. You've paid your PRSI. Yeah. You've paid your USC. Everything's up to date. So you have nothing yeah. to worry about in that regard. No. <laughs> but But you can't get any of the benefits you're entitled to because we no. can't actually get that money. We know where it is. Yeah. yeah. You've paid it. It's gone into yeah. our account, but it's gone into yeah. the wrong account. Yeah. And it's like they can't recognise that it's my tax that I've paid. And therefore, if if I go for anything, for example, I had my two wisdom teeth out there in the last couple of weeks, I had to pay for, I didn't go to the dentist yet this year, I had to pay for that visit, even though your first visit and your first checkup mm. and your first, you know, the scale and polish, the usual. Indeed. Um, no, it's, I had to pay for everything and I we we were issued with a letter of comfort as we call it from our interim director of services stating our name and PRSI it was a very well made out letter and how much we earned everyone got their own individual letter how much tax they paid USC everything employers PRSI that was paid and signed by our interim director and that still was no use. I went to my own dentist. I live in McCroom. I went to my own dentist with it and she said, it means nothing. I can't do anything with it. Because on the computer, you're coming up with your PRSI number as, um, sorry, your PPSN number as um, pending, which means there's either a problem or you're not entitled to your free dentist visit for whatever reason. Um, I couldn't make this stuff up. I know. You see, what's wrong is like... We went out yesterday and asked Revenue to hand in 35 letters from each each employee with our PPSN number and our signature saying, basically, can you do something? 
because what's going on at the moment in the centre is very hard and very stressful on everyone that lives there, everyone that works there, you know, the families that have to do with the people that live there. And it's just, there'd be nothing else wrong, nothing else would change in the service if this was just sorted out for us. Because according to us, like... um, Who has the power to sort this out, Tricia? As far as I understand the revenue. But they say they can't. We've been told so far they can't, yeah. Yeah. And our SIP2 um, representative, Sharon Cregan, um, has written... Yeah, has written to them, and her, and then her reply that she got was, "I can't talk to you about individuals' tax issues, obviously with confidentiality and the rest. You can't, but yeah. at the same time, well, I thought she represented thirty out of you. Yeah, yeah, and not mind that this this there's nurses with us as well on our staff team, but they're obviously with the IMO. They're having the exact same problem that their tax is being deducted, and then they're not entitled to any of their social welfare benefits and another thing that's actually happening and um, it's in particular to I'd say off the top of my head about four staff but their partner or husband or wife is self-employed yes. then at the end of the year when the couple are assessed for their tax there's a problem because our tax as a St. Vincent's employee isn't in order <sighs> so people are having a lot of trouble with um uh, their their own tax affairs with their with their partners and their husbands and their wives, um, and I know another staff member had, an, had a problem with them um, paying her. Um, oh, I can't think of the name, but what's the tax you pay on your house? Um, property tax. Property tax. Yeah, that was being um, deducted, but then the property tax were saying it wasn't, and then it was, and then it wasn't. And God. Yeah, it's. Um, have you? <laughs> I know it's probably the last place anybody wants to go, but have you tried a politician? Yeah, we have, and Sharon's been on to more than one. And um, recently a TD has offered us a meeting, and apparently he's well aware of what's going on. No. Um, but so far no one's done anything for us. Um, okay. Stay yeah. with us on this one. That's a very... I know it sounds very complex when you begin to explain it first. Yeah. But it's not, really. Um, yeah. And to be honest, I know, like, we've been told again and again and again, this is unprecedented, you know, you couldn't have predicted this, you know, all this. But sorry, now, we're talking about March 2017. Do you know, it's now October 2019. Could we not have sorted something? Um it's crazy. It's just, yeah. It's, That's crazy. As I say, typically, typical Irish, do you know what I mean? It's fob them off the next person, fob them off the next person, and well, someone else is bought, and yeah. Stay with us on this one, Tricia, because I'd like to follow it because it's very, very interesting. Thanks very much. That's Tricia, who's working at St. Vincent's uh, in Cork. Simply put, they're paying their taxes, but they can't get any benefit from their taxes because the revenue said the tax is going in under the wrong number. The revenue know what's going on. They know why it's going on. They know how it's going on. But they say they can do nothing about it. We've been talking since just after 10 about great employees not being appreciated. Maybe because they have a disability. 
not being appreciated by an employer, maybe not being appreciated by the Revenue Commissioner for all the tax they're paying, not being appreciated. But there's a, a special event coming up, and Cork's Lions Club have been doing this for years. They have an Employee Appreciation Day. Pat O'Brien is the gaffer at the Lions Club in Cork. Pat, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ, and good morning to all your listeners. Thank you very much for, for, for the call. Uh, yeah, we're, we're just trying to get a, a number of people to attend our employee day. Uh, it's on in the uh, Clayton Hotel next Friday at 12.30. Mm. And if you want to come, it's going to be a brilliant day. We started off as the um, Secretary's Day out, then we had Sex in the City, and now it's Employee Appreciation Day. So this year it's in aid of the Cork Stroke Support Group, Mm. And the day includes the pre, uh, pre-lunch pre drinks, uh, there's a fashion show, first course lunch, there's after dinner entertainment, there's a ladies and gents fashion show, and we have Gerald Keel, the MC, and we have a guest speaker, Neil O'Brien. Okay. So it really is a great day, and if you want to come, you can contact us on eappd at gmail.com. So it's eappday at gmail.com. The idea, I think, is, Pat, that that employers who who want to show a bit of thanks and a bit of appreciation to good people would get in touch with you and book a table or book a few few seats and just give their employees a a day out. PJ, I couldn't have put it better myself. It's really a, a nice way for employees... Uh, to to, uh, appreciate their employees and say, listen, you're going to have a day out on me. It only costs 75 quid and it's a a huge day. It really is. It's a a great benefit to everybody. Now, with it being a Lions Club event, it's also for charity. So what's the charity? Oh, gosh, yeah. It's in aid of the Cork Stroke Support Group. Every penny that the uh, Lions Group all over Ireland, all the clubs, all the money that we raise goes to charity. We don't have any full-time employees. So every penny that you give to any Lions Club goes to charity. So the stroke, Cork Stroke Victims is the one for this event? Correct, Cork Stroke Victims. And you can contact us on EAP. We have an email, eappday, E-A-P-P-D-A-Y at gmail.com. And if you want to come, we still have some some seats left for for this event next Friday at 12.30. And you can get us on eappday at gmail.com. And you can show your support for your good employees by spending 75 euros. And most of it goes to charity. All right. Good man. Pat, thank you very much. Pat O'Brien, Cork Lions Club, eapp, E-A-P-P, day at gmail.com. If you've got a good employee that you'd like to show appreciation to, you say, know what you do now? But on the Glad Rags Friday, head down there for a bit of lunch and some musical entertainment on us. Wouldn't that be great if a few good bosses around town took opportunity to avail of that? 1850-715-996 on disability in the workplace. Hi PJ, I can't go on air, but employers are reluctant to take on people with disabilities because employees are on targets and key performance indicators. Yeah, that's a new thing in the big corporate world now. Key performance indicators. And companies have huge policies around health and safety nowadays. And there's all kinds of disabilities out there. So companies don't want absenteeism because it costs big money. That's not an excuse. You know, why can someone go to the UK with a set of skills and a disability and get a job. And why in the UK will they be helped in every element of that job because their employer recognises the value of their skill set, not the cost of their disability? 
why can't we just do that here? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Have you had trouble getting a child a place in a crash? Have you been put on a long waiting list, which makes it awkward to say the least and damn near impossible? Under other conditions. That's coming up in just a sec. Facebook post that Deirdre put up on her D-Shocks page about crashes and quite a significant response to it. 1850-715-996, text 083-396-9696. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Just on jobs and workplace and all of that, disabilities. And the new one, Garda Vetting. Now, Garda Vetting is a bit of a nuisance in itself because you can get you get Garda vetted and it takes ages and it's only for that which you were Garda vetted for. So I could get Garda vetted here, for example, if I needed to be Garda vetted to do this job. That is of absolutely no use to me anywhere else, anywhere else that needs Garda vetting. That's just one of the failings of it. Here's one. I was working for a company for four and a half years. Got a call five weeks ago to meet my boss so he could inform me I have no work. They couldn't find my guard of vetting, which I did six months into my job. I loved my job, had perfect hours, I was well able for it, kept me going and helped pay my bills. I don't know what's going on anymore. People try to do good, there's always something. Is this allowed? Love the show. I don't know. If you submitted guard of vetting, it should be on your employee file. It absolutely should be on your employee file. In fact, you shouldn't even have gotten the job without being guarded vetted. If guarded vetting is required, they should have a copy of it somewhere. I might look into that for you. 1850-715-996. Now, I'm wondering what other parents are in a position to me. I have a child in a creche in West Cork. I've just been told that my newborn, who I presumed I could put in there when I returned to work, can't be taken until the baby is one. I've said it to people, and many have said they've heard it happening in a lot of places. Is there a reason? What are parents expected to do? I've tried seven childminders so far, and all are full. I may be able to take the full year and wait till she is one, but many people may not. I just wanted to see if anyone else is in a similar position. Like, how early do you sign up, children, for a crash these days. I'm well past that chapter of my life. Thanks, Peter. How early do you have to? Like, do you literally, when the minute you discover you're pregnant and the minute you tell people that you're pregnant, like, do you then go down and start looking for a crash? Is it done that early? I don't know. And even if you do, what kind of a waiting list is there? What's the average waiting list for a crash these days? out of that sector now Valerie you you have a crash good morning to you how are you I'm a manager in um, a part time service in Dublin um, and my boss would have three services so she would have full daycare and she would have closed her baby room Okay, and what's the waiting list for and why is it so long Um, it's the lots of different factors um, there's a much lower ratio in the baby room so we need to have one staff member for every three babies um, this causes difficulty uh, considering we have a huge staff and shortage in the sector at the moment um, the regulations are quite 
stringent in relation to babies. We need to have a cot room. We need more space. So services are deciding to close their baby rooms um, because they're not sustainable. Uh, this is mainly due to lack of funding, really, in, with the under trees, um, among other things. Right. So a baby room obviously is more expensive to run. It is indeed, you know, um, in, in many cases. Like when we look at the sector at the moment, 70% of all income into the sector goes straight back out on wages. And when you take that in a baby room, it can be just 100% straight out if you're going to pay a decent wage. Um, in many cases, our least experienced staff are being put into the baby rooms mm. um, so that they can be paid a lower rate of pay to to break even in many cases, you know. Um, like what kind of costs are involved in it? Say a typical baby room with five kids in it. Well, you you can only well if you have five kids in your baby room, you need two staff members there at all times, including their lunch cover. Um, so you two point whatever two point two two point three staff members. Um, the average rate in the country at the moment is one hundred and eighty four euro per week per baby place. Um, it's quite expensive in part to Dublin, but the average that was recently um, announced by the Department of Children and Youth Affairs is €184. Euro. So due to sums, I mean, we have rates, we have rent, we have food, we have staff, wages, employers, PRSI, insurance costs, all of these things have increased. Mm. Um, and but isn't, in many the rest cases, of, isn't the rest of the premises making a profit? Doesn't one offset the other? Um, not necessarily, you know. There, you know, there, there's there, there is no funding really currently in our under threes. Um, the funding that's there is for parents um, with the CCSU, as it's called, with the twenty euro per week reduction in fees for parents. But there's no government funding towards staffing. Um, there's no real funding towards training. There's no funding towards quality measures. Um, we have stringent fire regulations and building regulations and inspections lately are a lot of services are closing down as they're unable to meet the requirements of these regulations anymore. Um, so it, it funding is a really big problem in the sector currently. We're hoping maybe today in the budget there might be some nice announcements for the under trees, but like we'll we'll hold our breath on that mm. one. What, um, like what would help? If, what, what, what could the minister do when he stands up at one o'clock that would actually help? I pump money into childcare in early years. I mean, in Ireland, we're, we've, we're currently running at about 0.5 GDP. Um, the OECD average is 0.8.9. It's recommended it should be 1%. So we're not, we're only halfway, you know. So also 75% of our childcare services in Ireland are private. So it's private owners operating schemes for the department and unfortunately these schemes are chronically underfunded. You know, um, and the majority of the funding is going to the three to five year olds with our free preschool scheme yes. and it's more profitable to operate um, under, the pre- un- under the free preschool scheme uh, where if you recruit a graduate you will get 80 euro per space per week. Um, and you only have to do it for three hours. Gotcha. I gotcha. Valerie, thanks for that. That's a good eye-opener into the costs involved in running a baby room. And it is much higher than running the rest of the, of the, the, the 
pressure, Nienra, whatever the hell you call it these days. Frank. Ah, come on, Frank. I'm surprised at you, by. Call me old-fashioned, says Frank. Why have babies if you don't want to mind them? Frank, you know, <laughs> the cost of having a baby these days means that you will absolutely struggle on one wage. Unless it's a very large wage. Unless it's a quite a sizable wage, you will struggle on one wage to get your to get your boy. Plus the fact that if mom gives up work, say, to stay at home with the baby for three or four years, by the time she goes back into the workplace, and this is proven, there's research there, she can't get back in at the level she came out at. She has missed promotional opportunities. She has missed career opportunities, which is why so many women actually do work while the children are very, very small. They work to keep themselves up to speed in the workplace. They might be working for half, nothing half the time when it's all said and done. But no, you can't, you can't live on one wage anymore, Frank, in most houses with a child. You should know better than that. Dee says, we told Kresh as soon as we told everyone we were expecting. We got the last place available in the baby room. Kerry is having the same problem. Two-year-old in a current crash since 15 months of age. Started crash at six months in the city. Number two is now due at Christmas. I won't be able to use the same crash till number two is 18 months old. I could stretch to 12 months off work, but not to 18. Gillian used a crash in West Cork. I'm still using them. But my son, who's 11 months, they take babies from six months. It probably depends on the crash. I think it's due to the baby-childcare workers ratio. And it's hard to make money at one to three. Charlie, you have twins. I do. So, and I, I feel your pain when they're that small. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, handful. What's your yeah, experience? I have, I have twins. I actually have a nearly six-year-old girl as well. And we had her booked into crash um, fairly early on when we were pregnant and had no problem getting her in then. Um, when I became pregnant with the twins, I gave notice between it was around two months um, when I was about two months pregnant. I hadn't told anybody else at work, hadn't told family even at this stage, but we told the crash and we were told, congratulations, it'll be November before we can get them in. So instead of September, you'll have to wait an extra couple of months. So uh, that was giving them about 14 or 15 months notice to get the two into the crash. Wow. And that's to get the last two spaces. <laughs> what, what, what do you do for that time? I've actually taken um, unpaid leave as well for a couple of months. Um, I've had to save up and take unpaid leave. I'm fortunate in that I get full paid maternity leave um, because I'm a civil servant. Um, so I've been able to put money aside um, while waiting for the unpaid leave. Yeah. So I've been lucky that I've been able to plan that way, but not everyone would be as fortunate. And for me, creche was, was the only option because we have no family. We're actually, I'm from Galway and my husband is from Mayo. So we've got no family down here. Yeah. to be able to offload them to, you know, grandparents to help out. Yeah. Um, so a crash is the only option for us if we want to continue working. Yeah. Frank's comment, I'm surprised at Frank. He's a regular commenter on the show. And he's <laughs> normally a bit more enlightened to this. Why have babies if you don't want to mind them, he says. <laughs> Why have babies? Well, are you going to put your whole life on hold as well just because at the moment the way things are, you know, like, if you want babies, you, you have to you have a certain time frame as well in which you can have your family. Mm. So... You have to act on that when you can. Um, as for the twins, well, we had only planned on one, but we got two. <laughs> so. I know that feeling. I <laughs> yeah, never forget you know the fright. I, mean? I, <laughs> <laughs> I thought my husband would faint. 
<laughs> yeah. I nearly did. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never seen him react so <laughs> so <laughs> strangely, really. Yeah, he nearly fainted on tour when he found out the news as well. But yeah, yeah, we, you know, we, we have, we want our family. We don't want to be, you know, putting things on hold as well for a career or whatever. Um, but honestly, like I will have to work with, with twins and a six-year-old. There's there's no way we'd get by on one wage and pay the mortgage. We're fortunate that we have a mortgage. We're not renting, so we don't have those worries. That's it. But you definitely wouldn't get by on one wage. Absolutely not. And where you might get supports in certain situations, some people might get support. Single parents might get certain supports. People with family near them can use them for support. For us, there's definitely there's no option but for me to go back to work. Okay. Well, I hope that I hope that it works it works out for you down the line. And good luck. Good luck with the Thank twins. How old are they now? <laughs> They're seven months yesterday. Seven, oh well, I tell you, all I tell you is the first 22 years are the worst. <laughs> thanks. That's a great worry <laughs> off my mind. <laughs> Cheers, Charlie. Thanks. 1850-715-996. She got everything right. Nine out of ten. Oh, but we need one more question. No. One more question. What year did Batman stare at Heath Ledger pass away? The answer you gave her was 2011. She accepted that, by the way. She accepted 2011. Sinead? Yeah. It was 2008. Oh, Oh, no! It's grand. We don't need flowers at the wedding, Rob. It's fine. It's fine. Listen, I'll start you out with a couple of stargazer lilies, some Giuseppe, as you do a lovely hand tie bouquet for you. You're in 9 out of 10. You're going to get another round. Let's get her back on from Gran Canaria. What day is the wedding? The wedding was the 13th of um, October. So, okay, we'll ring you next Friday morning. Yeah. Casey and Ross in the morning with Stanaline. Big on service with every little thing taken care of. Stanaline.ie. Courts 96FM. This is Courts Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 996. On Courts 96FM. You're after stepping on an awful lot of toes this morning, fella. Oh, he says, if I remember rightly, yes, he says it's here in front of me, and we're talking about the difficulty with getting babies into creches and the cost of childcare and all of that, and no doubt the minister will be on his feet in the doll this afternoon. Whatever he'll have to say about childcare, people will be watching with, with great interest. Um, one caller says, Frank, you're, that's unpronounceable and probably unbroadcastable, but Frank, you're that anyway. Um, Frank is being described as clueless and living in the past. Yeah, uh, not, not going down well, Frank, at all. Not going down well. And as Charlie just said, just try doing it with a mortgage or, God forbid, rent. We live in the crazy situation now where it's actually more expensive in a lot of cases to rent than it is to have a mortgage. So try living with rent or a mortgage and the other costs in one house and one job and then a baby arrives. Not, not easy at all. 1850-715-996. The north side, south side divide, lads. It has been a thing for as long as I've been around. And people have complained that the north side gets nothing and the south side gets everything. And it's come up again in the last few days because Cork City Council's investment in public amenities has been described as heavily imbalanced towards the south side. Apparently the council is investing in the north, in the south side constantly 
at the expense of the north side. Opening up old wounds, Councillor Ted Tynan. Good morning. Morning, PJ. You see, PJ, I'm we in the Workers' Party and myself aren't talking about what we call a tale of two cities. It's based on uh, a Cox City profile, a survey carried out by various agencies in Cox City, including Cox City Council, Ungarishi Corner, UCC, CIT, and many other community groups. And the findings in that survey, and an updated one then for 2018, called Cox City Profile 2018, it, it, is, it is sad readings, quite honestly, PJ, where you have um, huge deprivation on mainly on the north side of the city and a certain amount of it, a lot less than on the south side. But um, the tale of two cities wouldn't be exactly geographical either because you can have similar issues on the south side as you have on the north side of uh, deprivation and that, you know. Mm. So, But your own belief is that, that things money money is invested in amenities and services on the south side far more readily than it is for the north side. Isn't that right? It's That's right, PJ. And in fact, um, the Glen River Valley Park, which is something I've been pushing now for many years, first got it into the city development plan way back in 2008 that it would be protected, which it is now protected by the city development plan. But there are attempts all the time to build shopping centres about have run it. And the Glen River Valley is... An old, uh, it's a glacial valley, probably about 10,000 years old, and it contains a lot of bogland, which are the sponges that hold rainwater when it comes down, you know. And the Glen River rises up in um, uh, Bar Nevada, Banduff, um, out by the Barn Restaurant, if you know that area, between Glenmire and Mayfield. That Glen River makes its way down through the Glen River Valley into Golden's Glen, and eventually through Blackpool and into River Lee. And there's huge potential there around the Glen River Valley as as an example, you know, yeah. that we could develop it as walkways, cycleways, recreational areas. I go over an awful lot to the south side, PJ, on the man, walk down by man uh, along the, the, the South Link Road over towards Rochestown Road and down. Yeah. And we'd spend a few hours on a Sunday or whatever day we'd have free. And it's most enjoyable. But there's nothing next to near like that on the north side of the city. And I think the Glen River Valley, including Golding's Glen, could be extended out into the top of Glenmire. Indeed, could wind its way down into Glenmire itself mm. before the area becomes too built up. Yeah. And, and are you saying that the, the pathways mon- and cycleways, walkways, and all that? You know? the, the money is there. I mean, if you look at it, they spent yeah. forty-two million on Tremore Valley Park, and that's right, yeah. yeah. You reckon that the money, and they're going to—they're looking at spending fifteen million on the Marina Park next yeah. year, if not—if yeah. not twenty. You reckon? Look, the money is there. It's where you choose to spend it. Exactly, and if you look at this survey, PJ, and I would recommend it. It's a bit heavy reading now, but it shows. Um, certain areas, particularly in the north side, health, um, unemployment, uh, the environmental areas, and it's a well-known fact that people who grew up in certain uh, working-class areas, low standard of education, their health suffers and they die younger, you know, whereas people in more um, affluent areas 
would live longer, you know, and these are stark facts and figures that are there for anyone to read, you know. So, and it's it's not being anti-South side or anything like that, but it's just spread spread the, the, the wealth around. If there is 50 million quid there to spend, then spread it around the city. And I think it's long overdue for the, um, the, the north side of the River Lee, you know. OK, all right, leave it there. Ted, Councillor Ted Tynan of the Workers' Party. Do you agree with him? Do you think that the, the north side gets uh, an unfair cut of the cake? If you look at it there, look at the money being spent. 15 to 20 million on Marina Park to start next year. 42 million spent on Tremor Valley Park. And they only got 1.5 million spent on the Northwest Regional Park. The money is there. It's how they choose to spend it. Do you think he's right? Do you think that the north side deserves to get a bigger slice of the cake, a bitter, a bigger dip into the money, as it were? Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six on the employee with two employee numbers. We're talking to Tricia earlier on this morning about that situation. Took a bit of explaining, but we got to the bottom of it. They're paying all their taxes, all of their taxes, but they can't get their benefits from it because the revenue says it's going into the wrong account. Dermot says going suggests going to a trade union. Well, Dermot, if you were listening, they're dealing with their trade union. Their their trade union is is on it, and unfortunately, getting nowhere. Let's go back to that north south divide. And Ted Tynan's been around the council for as long as anybody can remember. But just in the door is Labour councillor John Maher. Do you agree with him, John? Good morning. Morning, PJ. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I suppose. Look, it's time that we 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 have kind of a we, we, we look at the reality um, and again it, it's not north side south side but when you look at where development has happened it's you know the north side has been forgotten mm-hmm. um, and we look at playgrounds is a big like the playgrounds in the in itself um, there's very little on the north side the last three developments um, that have happened have been on the Tremor Valley Park the Marina Park as you mentioned um, and Murphy's Farm in Bishopstown mm-hmm. um, you look at the bus routes I mean they're all welcome for Cork. And I think that's the fair is, is that we need to look at Cork as a whole. But when we are developing it, we need a balance between North and South side. This isn't us versus them. Mm. But we need to look at this in totality. Again, the bus development at the moment, the first 24-hour bus service was on the South side. There's been improvements to the airport. There's improvements to the, the, the UCC side. And on the North side, again, we have very little. Yeah, And I just, again... It, but I don't understand where the imbalance is happening. Um, we know the story. There's no hospital. There's no third level place for people to go. Mm. Um, and no. And then we look down at the smaller things like the playgrounds. Um, again, when you look at now with the extended bus route, or sorry, with the extended, uh, the extended, uh, the extension of Cork City Council, um, we have places like White's Cross with no bus, Upper Glanmire with no bus. Uh, service. Mm. Um, we were looking. Well, last that's night. that's hardly the in in the in the remit of the council, John. That's down to the no, no, transport authorities it's, and the buses. Do you know? And and sorry, and our TDs, PJ. I think the north side has been let down. Um, I don't believe we have no north ring road. We're still speaking about a north ring road. Oh. In 2013, there was a plan for a, for there, there was a plan for Tinker's Cross. So while while okay the North Ring Road I understand is a complex project and it takes it costs money John I'm a bit older than you they were talking about it when you were in your pram but this is the point PJ and we're being sold the pop every time and I think now we need to stop like it's again right let's get this let's be very clear about this is that if the North 
the North Ring Road doesn't just affect people in the north side. You have people on your, your, your show. Most mornings, I, I hear the text, the South Link, we're bumper to bumper. And some of that is because we get as far as the tunnel and then it comes to Dunkettle. And it, look, the Dunkettle <laughs> interchange is another project that's been stalled again on the north side, but it's affecting the whole of Cork. Mm. And I believe we don't have, I don't, I don't believe there's somebody shouting for the north side in the doll. Because look, at, like, there is no funding. We'll be left down with the, the a small bit of electioneering now, John, as a... Okay, well, well, PJ, you know what? No, no, well, PJ, you know what, though? It's about time somebody showed it up for us. I know. Listen, just a couple of uh, comments. Jude says, in fairness, PJ, how much more money can they pump into Knocknahini? What about the rest of the north side? It always pisses me off. Catherine said, this is all typified, though, by the Office of Public Works approach to the main, uh, to the flooding problem with the River Bride in Blackpool, which is a man-made flooding problem, bury it all in concrete. That wouldn't be considered in Black Rock. Uh, Jerry says the people of the large Northside suburban areas like Glenmire, for example, are also badly in need of facilities. Our population is growing all the time with no added facilities. We have a park that needs to be upgraded and a piece of land adjacent to the old John Barleycorn. For now, that's only in the that's only in the city a wet a, a wet week. So it's not like something that's been indicted long term, but it's 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 worth thinking about, John. No, listen, PJ, absolutely. And again, right? Let's. We, I suppose we, we if we if we leave out the city council issues for one second, because the the extension only happened in the last four months. However, Cork North Central, as uh, as a uh, um, we'd say as a as a, a national constituency, has always included the Glanmoyers right up to the Dripsy and everywhere in between the with the, the Knockinidi and Grawan down into the Glen, Balavala and Mayfield. Um, so we've always had this constituency and we've always had these needs on a national level. And the infrastructure with regards building an ordering road, which I believe will take a lot of the traffic out of all of the communities, which will lead to which will help us solve a lot of the issues with regards traffic calming um, and, and it will also allow I believe if we build an art ring road, it will allow for more houses to be built and, and businesses to come on the north side because the infrastructure is there. Well, the north ring and road is the big one. That's the that's the big project. If that ever, like I said, they're talking about that since you were a small boy. Yes, and I, I and again, I think today's the talk now are over, and we need people up there that will deliver. Okay. And again, it's for the benefit of Cork, and I think that's very important because as I say, there's people on the south link. I drive myself for a living. And you get now on the South Link, it's bumper to bumper. And again, right, if you're telling me that the North Ring Road is going to take, and it will take 10 years, but the point being is that we don't have the Dunkettle Interchange now. That's been stalled. Like, we're not even getting the crumbs. That's true. No, I'm, I'm totally rich on the North Ring Road. Where are the, where are the playgrounds? Look, yeah. I, again, there's none in Mayfield. The Glen is a city, the Ted, Ted hit on the Glen. The Glen Park is owned by Cork City Council. They have a depot operating out of there, and we don't have a playground. Yeah. Okay. So right. I think it's time now that, and I certainly will work with all of the councillors in, inside City Hall to bring things to the north side. And I think it's about working with people. We've given the examples of the success on the south side, and they're very welcome because I wouldn't begrudge any community of success and of, of development. But I think now it's time that we bring it back to the north side and that thing, it, it, it becomes more balanced. Well, I suppose, in a way, John, if you have two children and, and Daddy has a pot of money or Mammy has a pot of money and they have two children, if you start spending all the money on one child, the other child is bound to resent it. This, this is it. And I, and I, and I believe 
that all we're asking for is balance. All right. That's, this isn't about us and them. This is about balance. And I think with the examples they've given, it's time now that the balance is, that starts happening. All right. Leave it there. John Maher, Councillor John Maher. Thank you. This is Court's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 96 96 96. On Court's 96 FM. Uh, Mags says, hmm, Black Rock doesn't even have a playground. And as far as I know, Bishoptown Community fundraised for a large part of the cost of their playground. BlackRock is now with local parents working hard on sponsorship and fundraising for theirs. The council then manage the play, the playgrounds. Mahan and BlackRock also doesn't have a library. Yeah, see, the, the Mahan and BlackRock, there are people down there would consider Mahan and BlackRock to be a fairly forgotten neighbourhood. Tom Welch was on about this north side, south side stuff. Education was his area. Uh, very few people on the north side. Something like 3% went to third level. But sure there's no third level there pious statements about developing Farron Ferris, but that's further education, not university degrees. There was damn all follow through on it. Caller says in Mayfield there was so much traffic and in many places the roads so wide it's impossible to get across the road safely in one go. This would not be allowed to happen on the south side. It's very clear that what's needed is a ring road. It's dangerous and unpleasant and people in the north side feel they're forgotten. They need to see what it's like. And Ted rang back to say pedestrian crossings, etc. There are audible sounds at them for people with impaired vision. They've done surveys on them for someone with a family member. There are very few audible ones on the north side in comparison to the south side. But PJ Caroline says, I'm sick to death of north side people moaning about the north side and south side. The difference is we on the south side don't moan. People on the north side complain and then they get what they want. Well, clearly they don't, Caroline. Clearly they don't. Frank says we don't have a ski slope in Black Rock either. Frank, there's pepper in your tea this morning, is there, dude? Uh, PJ, on the north side, south side divide, the 203 bus service is so bad, it would be advisable to bring a packed lunch, a flask and a sleeping bag while you're waiting for it. Actually, it was Liam Burke. Liam Burke, the silver fox, the late great. Liam Burke proposed the North Ring Road. That'll tell you how far back it is. Right, 1850-715-996. There's an, organiz- an organisation representing professionals in the hair and beauty industry. There's all sorts of organisations. The Hair and Beauty Industry Confederation will be launched next week. It's a brand new organisation. And it's hitting out at the black market. It says the black market, the black economy, is threatening the legitimate industry because thousands of people are providing beauty and hair services in their homes. And they're hitting out against it. Susan Ryan, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Will you be part of this new group? Absolutely. have been involved for a number of years um, getting uh, recognition for... There's this two basic issues here, PJ. One is the black market. That, park that now for a second. The, the, the main issue is that there is um, the, the lack of qualification and the lack of standards within the industry is very, very vague. So what's been happening now is um, a National Quality Assurance Register, which has now uh, been validated and is to go ahead. So it'll be up and running from 2020 and hopefully between 20 and, and 2024. Um, all of those who are, uh, whose qualifications are rather vague um, can now retrain and upskill kind of and people? come on board. What kind of people are you talking about? 
Well, I'm talking about a lot of people who have done qualifications and learned some from the internet, uh, some from uh, another staff member. So there's no exams, there's no quality assurance, there's no one to state or to, to verify that level of examination, or they haven't had an examination. They're giving a house cert from some vague salon, some uh, fly-by-night uh, training establishment, and they're not recognised. It's not the, the quality of the examinations... Uh, uh, the quality of the even the training is absolutely atrocious. Many of these courses are one day, mm. two days. Mm. How can you qualify in anything in that length of time? Yeah, let's deal with the black economy as well. Though the people and maybe hairdressers having their own chair and their own sink out in the conservatory. Absolutely. You know, they're quite entitled to do that. I have no nobody has an issue with anybody working from home. Okay. They're quite entitled to do that. But what we're saying is they have to come into the net, the same as the rest of us. Bearing in mind what people charge in their homes is not dramatically less than anything from a professional salon. Mm. And bearing in mind that the first 13.5% that we take in has to go to the government. Plus we've got rent and rates and services and insurance. On top of that, and PAYE, PRSI, USC, and all of that has to be deducted from the staff members that are working. Mm. So how can we pay fantastic wages? They get good wages, but they're certainly not on fantastic wages. Mm. When we're up against those who can do it in their home and keep it all for themselves. But they are entitled to work from home. This is not a them enough situation at all here, BJ. They're quite entitled to do that. But I do feel that there has to be a national register of quality assurance and that mm. certification well, should be on your wall, well, well, regardless have, of where you're working. We have talked about qualifications in in the not-too-distant past and about how people, like you said, they can learn stuff on YouTube and yep. and buy equipment on Wish.com or That's some correct. other place and set themselves up and they've no qualifications. And in certain in certain instances, they can do harm to people. Well, you see, there are certain treatments out there that very skilled therapists like myself, and with 40, and 40 years in September in the industry, and I know what I'm talking about. There are, like, this week alone, I sent two people with, um, with suspected skin cancers to um, a dermatologist, and I happen to have been correct. Now, an unskilled eye would have treated those, and what she was looking for was a dermabrasion to get rid of, inverted commas, moles. Yeah. So that's out there, and those pieces of equipment are readily available on the internet. Yeah. So it's the lack of qualification, it's the lack of experience is where we're coming from. So Habic, which is the Hair and Beauty Ireland Confederation, they're setting up a national quality assurance register, and that is going ahead. So what we're hoping... Who will adjudicate on, the, on that? Well, in, in, well it's under, under uh, QQI and the ETB and Solace, they're all on board now. So if they want to regularise... So, mm. for, instance, for instance, if you train at being a manicurist, that does not entitle you to use chemicals for acrylic or gel nails. Mm. That's what we're trying to establish. Or if you train as a hair cutter, you can't automatically go to, the, go to a supplier's and buy colour. You have to have the specific training for that specific Sounds service. Sounds a little bit like you're trying to keep it all in-house, though. Susan. That's not fair. 
That's not fair. I'm just saying that's what it sounds no, like. No, it isn't. It keep isn't it all at for you, all. Keep all the gravy for yourselves, like. No, it's everybody can have the gravy, but train and do it properly. That's all we're saying. And I think the general public deserve that. You can go into many salons and you won't see a diploma on the wall because there aren't any. And that is not fair to those who have invested in their training and put the time in and have worked very hard mm. and sat their exams, you know done you know their apprenticeship. Susan, there's, there's, there's some damn fine hairdressers out there. And Absolutely. In, men's, in the men's side, damn fine barbers. Yes. They learned at the at the at someone's side. They, That's correct. That absolutely. And they've got no piece of paper. Oh yes, they do. Oh yes, they do. They sit exams. They sit exams under the under the hair industry. They go mostly to Dublin, or if the salon has a group of them, an independent adjudicator will adjudicate on their their performance. So that's not correct, PJ. They learned as apprentices. But they learned as an apprentice. Mm. But they do their exams the same as anybody else. Mm. So whether they go to hairdressing school or they learn on the shop floor is irrelevant. It's the, le- the level of training. And does this come under, say, fee tag and stuff? Like Absolutely. Mm. And the NVQ levels. That all has to be done. But the problem here is that it's the training is the problem. That the, the level of training is not standardised. So when you call yourself a beauty therapist, mm. when you look closer at what the, the person has learned, they really are um, a, a makeup person or they're an eyebrow technician. They are not a beauty therapist. Mm. A beauty therapist takes a couple of years to train and then you're only a junior at the end of that. And it takes another couple of years to upskill and learn and be competent and capable of working with the general public in a safe, hygienic and healthy manner. So a lot of that is not being learned in, in courses that are just five-eighths that, that you wouldn't even see an autoclave inside or a steriliser. Mm. I have spoken to these girls. They come to upskill to me and I am astounded at what they considered they were, they were, they were capable of and qualified at. It's not worth the piece of paper that the salon owner or the girl, the, the teacher gave them. They're no longer recognised. So unless the school that you're learning in is under um, the, the NVQ levels or with, with the College of Commerce or with all of the other training establishments out there, my own included, mm. are all under a proper umbrella where this, the training is standardised, we are vetted, we are under scrutiny every year when the international board arrive on your doorstep and they tick the boxes. And that is what is the quality assurance we're trying to do and establish a national assurance register where people can sign up to that they are qualified and you're given your certificate of competence and okay. the list of what you are um, morally whether it is legal or otherwise, morally entitled to perform. So, you know, you can't just suddenly well, decide... Well, morally, is one of the, you're legally it's, entitled you know, to perform, be a different list, maybe, you know. Yes, but it's like, look, do you know what it's like? It's a young fella saying, or a young girl saying she's, she's an electrician. Why? Because she can change a plug. Fair it's point. the same thing. Fair point. It's the same thing. And there are um, certain services that are absolutely should not be in... Uh, incompetent hands. 
they are professional services and there are services out there after 40 years I wouldn't do. I wouldn't inject Botox. I wouldn't inject lip filler. Mm. But there are girls, there's a girl I trained about 10 years ago uh, who went on and did nursing and did something else and now she can do that. That's legal and above board. But there are others. You can buy this stuff off the internet and do house parties. That's true. That's true. And we've discussed it before. Susan, good talking to you. Thanks very much. Susan Ryan. Hi, PJ. This issue is in every single trade in the country. I'm an electrician and must join Safe Electric, do certification for the work we do. But this makes no difference. The black market is alive and kicking. All these organizations and unions are a waste of time. All they want is your annual subscription and everything that goes with it. When push comes to shove, they will do nothing for you. The real PJ, excuse me, he's here, but the other one. (laughs) That lady should give up the beauty business and become a politician. She has all the skills of one, and she sounded very like one. And Paula says, dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. Always better to spend that little bit extra to have it done properly with medical-grade training and proper product. But Antoinette, I'm not too sure where you're going here, Antoinette. Where is Susan getting that people who aren't trained can't get colour from suppliers. All trainees are automatically given store cards from companies like Hennessy's, and they can buy colour at any time. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show, The Opinion Line, with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 On Cork's 96FM. Just before we head out into uh, the dust for the day, a couple of things to mop up. First of all, um, tomorrow we will be looking for your responses to the budget. Pascal Donoghue is due on his feet in about an hour. Uh, He has said there will be no chocolate, but there might be a few smarties in the budget. We're supposed to be getting tuppence on the gallon or the litre of petrol, tuppence on the litre of diesel... Uh, from midnight tonight, uh, be a few, some extra medical cards for the old age pensioners, that kind of thing. Not a whole pile going to be in it for everybody. Uh, tomorrow, when you've had a look over it, when you've had a, a check to see what's in it for you or what wasn't in it for you, we'd like to know what you think. And you can email us throughout the course of the evening, opinion at 96fm.ie and just mark your email budget. Or you can send us a WhatsApp at 083 396 96 96 and just mention it's a comment to do with the budget. Once you hear what Pascal Dunahoo has to give you, which I promised you, it won't be much. That's it for today. Edited and did our shot produced and researched by Fergal Barry. See you tomorrow, just after nine. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia 
Virginia Gravis, or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.